0: In today's episode of 750 Mills, someone in Taiwan gets shelled by artillery and turns into a blacksmith. An elephant gets depressed and listens to Frank Sinatra. And what you shouldn't do if you're on vacation in the Philippines. Here's a hint. It involves beer, singing, and poor song selection. All of that, plus today's secret link in the Feel Good featured track, is coming at you right now. Hey everyone, welcome to 750 Mills, the show that's all about bringing you good news, interesting stories and all manner of genuinely useful things to know. I'm glad to have you hanging out with me, my name is Andre, and today we're going to talk about what it's like to be in a situation where you and your family are placed in near perpetual risk of death, yet you still manage to take the bombshells life throws at you and make something good out of it. literally. Next, we'll talk about a possible real-life sequel to an old Disney movie called Operation Dumbo Drop, only without Danny Glover, The Vietnam War, or Parachuting Elephants. If you don't get the reference, don't worry. All you need to know about that movie is that you don't need to watch it, not missing anything. Finally, ever think about going on vacation to the Philippines at some point in your life? We'll talk about the quickest way you can get dead while you're vacationing there, and what you should do to stay not dead while you're there. You ever hear the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade? What if the lemons, air quotes, life gives you, are in the form of artillery shells that either contain certain death and destruction due to their explosive content, as one would expect of artillery shells, or propaganda material that the people who are shelling your home have made in the hopes of persuading you to think, um, hey, you may be the ones throwing death and destruction your way, but trust us, you guys are totally the bad guys, for realsies. What do you think would be the correct response? I personally don't know. I'd probably invest in and stock up on adult diapers and oversized pants if I was stuck living there. But this story is about a Taiwanese man named Wu Cheng Dong, a third-generation blacksmith who lives on Kinmen Island, Taiwan. He's locally known as Maestro Wu, and he forges knives from artillery shells that have been fired at his home. To understand Maestro Wu's story and why he's making knives from artillery shells when he's not hiding from bombardment, we need to quickly mention the Chinese Civil War. The oversimplified version of this story is that, early in the previous century, there were two factions fighting for control, and effectively for the future, of China. One, the Chinese Nationalist Party, or Kuomintang, and two, the Communist Party of China. This was an ongoing conflict that had starts and stops before and after World War II. The two sides put hostilities aside for a short time to work together and fight against the Japanese invasion during World War II. Once they had defeated the Japanese, the civil war resumed. The Chinese Communist Party under Mao Zedong eventually gained the upper hand over Chiang Kai-shek's Chinese Nationalist Party, taking control of the mainland in 1949, while the nationalists retreated to the island of Taiwan. The civil war never really ended. The governments of the two countries still don't like each other, and they still very much disagree with each other in the biggest possible ways. Today, mainland China claims Taiwan as belonging to it, while Taiwan says otherwise. Taiwan is in a weird place. It's not officially a member of the United Nations. It maintains diplomatic relations with just 14 of the 193 countries that are members of the UN, Mainland China, meanwhile, refuses to have any political or diplomatic dealings with the self-ruling democratic government in Taiwan, all the while also refusing to have diplomatic relations with any country that recognizes Taiwan as a country in its own right. Mainland China vows that one day it will take back Taiwan by force if necessary. So back to Maestro Wu, the blacksmith from Kinmen Island. Kinmen Island is situated in the Taiwan Strait in between Mainland China and Taiwan. In fact, if you look at the map, it's closer to Mainland China than it is to Taiwan. This made the island a natural battlefront in the conflict, with Kinmen having a history of being quite heavily bombarded. Despite being just two miles away from Mainland China and being claimed by it as being part of Mainland China's Fujian province, the local population has a history of voting for the main ruling party of Taiwan and is represented in the Taiwanese government's legislature. Maestro Wu grew up during some of the worst bombardments in the late 1950s, during which about 618 people were killed and over 2,600 were injured. They were still being shelled up until the 1970s, though this was more on the propaganda material side rather than on the explosive side of things. His childhood memories included hiding in air-raid shelters with his family at night and gathering scrap metal fragments by day. He says, I remember the fear we felt at night. Shelling may look exciting in the movies the more intense it gets, but in reality it's very dangerous. We tried to pick as many shells as we could, even climbing the trees to get them, in order to exchange them for little prizes. It was fun for our childhood, even though we were fearing the air raids. As a young boy, he learned the trade from his father. During that time, Taiwanese soldiers who were stationed in Kinmen began asking for custom orders and that's when they started turning shells into knives today maestro wu continues making knives out of the propaganda shells which make good material since they don't explode on impact in the last 3 decades he estimates that he has made around 400,000 knives from the shells that are still stacked high around his workshop prior to the pandemic his workshop and his work had become quite the tourist attraction which includes drawing crowds from even mainland china like the rest of the world There's a lot of uncertainty in Kinmen Island, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the ongoing conflict between the mainland and Taiwan. It also seems like the tensions are getting worse. What happens to Maestro Wu and the people of Kinmen Island then? No one knows for sure, but here's what he says. The people don't want war. It's very brutal, and we in Kinmen had experienced it during the 823 bombardment in 1958, having relatives and friends killed or injured. I hope the two sides can deal with each other peacefully. It is up to the wisdom of both governments. Hey, wanna see what Maestro Wu Snipes look like? I'll put a link to his official website in the show notes for this episode. I put it through Google Translate since the site doesn't have an official English language version as far as I can see, but it works well enough. Also, you can apparently buy his snipes from Amazon. He doesn't have an official storefront page on Amazon, but you can search for it uh, by his brand, Maestro Wu. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to check it out. Remember that previous episode of the podcast when we talked about music being a good way to relax yourself? Even highlighting some music made by a collaboration between ambient musicians and sound scientists. As it turns out, music isn't just good for helping humans relax, but it's also good for helping depressed elephants deal with anxiety. Well, at least one elephant in the world that we know of anyway. Meet Kevin an elephant who has been living in Islamabad Zoo in Pakistan since 1985. He's been described as the world's loneliest elephant. Why is that, you might ask? Well, from 1990, he had a mate who unfortunately passed away in 2012, leaving him to languish there by himself. He's also developed a few other problems, which include cracked nails which put him in danger of rather dangerous infections, He's really bored and he's developed behavioral problems, and he's grown obese as a result of a poor diet, and it appears that there's just a general lack of care for him where he is. So what was life like for Kavan? How did he end up in such a sorry state? Well, malnutrition for one. Kavan apparently subsisted on a diet of mostly sugarcane, which led to his becoming morbidly obese. Kavan was also crammed into an enclosure that wasn't right for the likes of him. His nails became cracked and disfigured because of the inappropriate flooring and the structure of the enclosure. And that's a bad thing for elephants, not just because of the discomfort it causes, but primarily because it can increase the risk of germs entering the elephant's body and causing infections. This apparently is what killed Kavan's mate, Saheli, a few years back. One report even notes that Kavan was chained in this enclosure, and that he had a negative relationship with his handlers. Not surprising if that's true. His situation also led to behavioral problems. In addition to the years of loneliness and boredom, something called stereotypical behavior or weaving, according to animal experts. This means that Kavan would swing his head back and forth for hours on end, which is odd and unusual, and not something you would see from a happy and healthy elephant. So what changed? Back in 2015, a student named Samar Khan started an online petition that brought attention to Kavan's plight to the world and put pressure on Pakistani authorities to alleviate his living situation. Here's what she wrote. I came across Kavan the Elephant while visiting Murghazar Zoo in Islamabad, Pakistan. Kavan was all alone, as he has been for the 28 years he's been at the zoo. His legs were chained up to limit where he could move in his enclosure. But that didn't seem to matter, because for the entire time I was there, Cavan didn't move. The only thing that moved was his head, as it bobbed repetitively from right and left, a behavior known as weaving, which elephants adopt in response to stress and depression. He cut a small, solitary figure against the backdrop of his shed. It was a sorry sight. Despite his obvious discomfort, the zoo claims that Cavan is used to his enclosure and doesn't mind it. Cavan needs our help. If enough of us put pressure on Pakistani authorities, we can get Kavan released to an elephant sanctuary. The global outcry has already resulted in the government ordering the zoo to remove Kavan's chains. Zoos such as this one rob elephants of their most basic needs. In the wild, elephants are active for 18 hours and roam up to 30 miles a day. They live in social herds and form deep bonds with one another. Nothing even close is being offered to Kavan at the Morgazar Zoo. Well, the petition gained traction and got people's attention. When the petition closed, it had over 400,000 signatures. Kavan's story reached the Islamabad High Court, where one report says Chief Justice Athar Minala observed that it has proved that Islamabad Zoo is not meeting the standards set for a zoo internationally. If the zoo officials could not properly care for the elephant, it would be better to simply send it back to where it came from," he added. So what's next for Kavan the elephant? Well, almost just like any one of us human beings who've struggled through some seriously rough times, therapy. Why? The plan is to fly Kavan out to an elephant sanctuary in Cambodia, where he'll be able to roam free after a flight of about 4,000 kilometers, or about 2,500 miles, they're building a special steel crate to transport an elephant at his size and weight. And this is because, uh, this is a special case because most of the time, elephants are transported while they're still young and small, and certainly not fully grown like Cavan, who weighs 5.5 metric tons. This means that he'll likely have to be flown out on a huge cargo plane like maybe an Antonov AN 225. If you've seen the 2012 film with John Cusack trying to escape the end of the world with a rich Russian dude and his family on a gigantic Russian-built aircraft, it's something like that. Before Kavan can be relocated, he needs to be rehabilitated, to be both physically and mentally prepared for the big move. To that end, an army of vets and caretakers are seeing to that, under the oversight of Amir Khalil an Austria-based vet and director of the Four Paws International Animal Welfare Organization. What did Amir do? For one, Amir fixed Calvin's diet. From eating mostly sugarcane and other types of elephant junk food, as described by Samar Khan, Calvin was put on a diet of grass and vegetables to deal with his malnutrition and weight issues. Amir also had sand and logs shipped in to acclimatize Cavan for life in the wild, as previously, Cavan was just cooped up in an enclosure with nothing to interact with. He also needs to be conditioned, or mentally prepared, for transport in the steel cage. Here's what Amir says about that. Cavan needs to get comfortable in the cage. He will be given special training to make him get familiar with the cage. He needs to be able to step inside the cage voluntarily, as the team of vets have no plans to sedate him for the duration of the flight. The hope is, by the end of this month, November 2020, everything that needs to be in place to get Cavan to his new home will be all sorted. Whatever the case may be, it's already gotten the world's attention, well, enough of it anyway, and the blessing of the local government, so things are looking up for Cavan. Want to hear something interesting about Cavan's rehabilitation program? One of the things that have helped Cavan recover from his loneliness and anxiety was music therapy. Remember that episode of the podcast where we talked about the science of music and how it can seriously calm you down? Well, apparently, it works for elephants too. Only for Kavan, it wasn't quite Marconi Union or ambient music in general that did the trick. For the most part, it was Frank Sinatra's music, and very specifically, the song My Way. Music therapy coupled with other calming methods appear to be working well, said Amir. Kavan appears calmer and happier than before. That's all well and good, but a word of warning for anyone who isn't an elephant and decides to take a trip to the Philippines. If you ever find yourself dragged to a karaoke session, don't sing Sinatra's My Way. You might get stabbed in the neck with a fork, or worse. What am I talking about? There's this phenomenon that's kind of unique to the Philippines, and that specific song has even gotten its own name, the My Way Killings. You know something serious when not only has it gotten its own Wikipedia page, but it's also got the attention of the New York Times. Basically, it boils down to this. Filipinos love drinking beer and doing karaoke. For whatever reason, whenever someone gets killed at a karaoke session, it almost always involves the song My Way. Many have speculated what it is about the song that always coincides with murder of the Filipino variety, but there's no one solid explanation. The murders have happened often enough that Filipinos in general will not sing the song despite their love for it, and even karaoke bars have taken the song off their machines after many complaints about bad renditions of the song having led to violent fights along with the aforementioned murders. In a sort of darkly humorous twist, a Japanese rock band Kishidan released a cover version of My Way, with a music video depicting the lead singer getting shot while singing the song. So yeah... If you're a human being, especially in the Philippines. Don't sing my way. It's bad for your health. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track something from a band called Hollywood Principal and Kevin Frey, a song called Seeing What's Next. This is off the 2016 soundtrack to the video game Rocket League. And a quick bit of trivia The Hollywood Principle is a band that includes Mike Alt who also happens to be the audio director for Psyonix, the developer of the game. It's good to have connections. That's it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out links to stuff we've talked about here, and that includes a featured track, along with this episode's secret link, which I highly recommend you look at on the biggest screen you can possibly look at it on. If you like beautiful things, surreal, beautiful things, don't miss this one. Click on it. Trust me. You can subscribe and listen to the 750ML podcast on Podomatic.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts might be found. Just type in 750ML podcast in the search box and tap on the follow or the subscribe button. Links to all that will be in the show notes for this episode as well, which you can find on, you know it, 750ml.fm. That's 750ml.fm. If you've been enjoying it so far, please consider leaving a star rating and a review. Your feedback helps improve the podcast and it can help other people find it as well. I'd really appreciate it. Anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with me. Now I'll leave you with a thought from Henry Ford on the worst type of mistake you can make. Here's what he said. The only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. Hope you have a good day. Take care now.